we've come to the Sunday of the Prodigal Son, and we get the second of these readings that are preparing us for Great Lent, which, as I've said, the main theme of which, or the theme that unites all of them, is do not judge, and fasting does not save you. So now we come to this story, which I want to go over, and then we'll, 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 we'll unpack it a little. Uh, but I also want to say that while the message here is definitely going to be, do not judge, and fasting does not save you, this parable also gives the other half of the equation. And it talks to us about, uh, or in it, we will find uh, some of the benefits of fasting and some of the necessity of practicing discernment. So, we all know the story. There was this man, he had two sons. The youngest comes to him and says, Dad, I want what's coming to me. And his father says, okay. And he divides all his possessions between his two sons, giving the younger his share and the older his share. So then the younger son goes into a far country and he blows the whole lot on prodigal living, as this is why he's called the prodigal son. And prodigal meaning coming from the same Latin root as uh, prodigious. Uh, it's just like wasting everything, uh, going for it, just, just following his passions. And the problem with following your passions like this is that pretty soon you're empty. Pretty soon he found that his pockets were empty. And he, not too long after that, his stomach was empty too, because it was the famine that came into the land. And he's forced now to get whatever work he can find. And the only work that this good Jewish boy can find, well, not so good Jewish boy can find, uh, is feeding pigs, which are, of course, in the Jewish understanding, unclean animals. So here he is, he's reduced like the lowest of the low, he's feeding the pigs, and he's so hungry, he, he wants to just eat what he's feeding to the pigs, but no one gave him anything. He is starving to death. So here he is in this situation, totally his own fault, and he's obviously thinking about it, and he's thinking about, you know, life back home, remembering how good it was, and wow, I guess it. I really had something there. I didn't realize it at the time. And, and he, he thinks to himself, you know, even dad's servants had bread enough and to spare. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to dad and I'm going to say, dad, I'm, I'm totally not worthy to be called your son. Uh, I, I've sinned before you and before heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just, just take me back as a hired servant. You know, then at least I'll have a job and I'll have some food. So he goes back home. And while he's still a long way off, his father, who's been watching and waiting because every father's heart is for their children, watching, watching, sees him a long way off. And he just kind of runs down the driveway, long driveway, he's pretty rich, uh, and, and throws his arm around his son. And his son gets as far as father, I've sinned before heaven and before you. I'm no longer with you to be called your son. Is her speech, but he doesn't get any farther in his rehearsed speech because 
at that moment, his father interrupts him and says, hey, bring you know, a robe and put it on him. He's, he's all dressed in rags. Bring a ring, put it on his finger. This my son, go and kill the fatted calf. This my son who is dead is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Let's make, let's party. And, and so they do. They, they start partying it up, kill the fatted calf and, and have this great big barbecue. And they're having a wonderful time. And the older brother, who's been working hard in the field, as he always does, comes in and he hears all this partying going on. He's like, what's going on here? And, and uh, so he asks, you know, what's going on here? And he's told, oh, well, your brother, who your dad thought he was like dead, he's back and he's, he's okay. And your dad is celebrating. And he is so mad that he refuses to come, even enter into the house. He's not going in. This is not a part of his family. Not going to acknowledge this at all. And his father, in his compassion, leaves the party, comes out to his son and says, hey, what's going on? And his son responds, all these years, I've worked hard for you. I've done the right thing. I, you know, and, and then this, this, this son of yours, can't even call him his brother, who's wasted his entire inheritance, all of your livelihood, everything that you worked for with harlots, comes home and you throw him this big party? You never even gave me like so much as a young kid to celebrate with my friends. You're throwing a party for him? And the father, instead of getting mad and <laughs> tearing a strip off him, simply says to him, son, all that I have is yours. But it's right that we celebrate this. Your brother was lost. He was dead to us. And now he's found. And he invites him in and Jesus stops the parable there. We don't know what his, the response was. So let's start with the ending because, you know, that's the, that's the part that, that really does kind of hammer home the theme that we are, that is preparing us for great Lent. Obviously the older brother was kind of judging just a little bit. You know, he didn't have, he had good reason to. His younger brother had been completely immoral, completely wasteful. He had, he had, he had done all sorts of horrible things. So, you know, there, there was certainly good sound, judge, sound basis for this judgment that he was making on his brother. And he was fasting. At least in the sense that he was doing the right thing. He was the one who was actually, you know, out in the fields, working hard, doing like controlling himself, making sure that he did what was necessary and right and good. And yet, it's this very judgment, this righteous judgment, and this sense of his own righteous life 
all the good that he's done that keeps him from his father's house. He won't even go in. Don't judge. Fasting, obviously here, does not save you. But, let's back up. There is an actual fast in this story. It's not a voluntary fast, but it's a fast nevertheless. The younger brother, who has spent everything, he's wasted it all, just by following his, as a, here he's definitely not fasting at this point, uh, just by following his passion. He finds that these passions have left him empty. Empty pockets, empty soul, and friendless and alone. And it's at that point that he has really a blessing from God. This famine that comes on the land is a blessing because it's what reveals to him just how low he has sunk. Nothing else did. He was quite happy to party it up and live, live the good life while he had the money. Didn't get through to him. Even after that, you know, he's still not at home. He's still out away from his father. Even without any money, without any friends. It's only when the fast comes that is forced upon him and his belly is empty that he finally comes to himself, as, the, as, the, as Jesus says in the story, finally realizes who he is, what he's done, what he's lacking, and realizes, wait a sec, and, and his motives aren't even very good, right? His motives are not pretty questionable. I could just get a job with dad and then I'd at least have some food to fill my stomach. Let's see, what do I have to do? I guess I have to go and tell him that I'm sorry. So he's got the whole speech, right? He gets as far as I'm sorry in the speech. But the fasting actually was something that worked a role, played a role in his coming to himself, which was the absolutely necessary part of his salvation. And it was that that actually gave him the discernment that he needed, the wisdom, the ability to judge things and evaluate things and his surrounding and his own self and his own person rightly. And so, you know, that's kind of why we fast. We do this voluntarily. We take it on ourselves because we know that as we are putting aside the passions, as we are controlling them, as we are reminded by our empty bellies of our dependence upon God for everything that is good that we are giving up during the fast, that gives us the opportunity to be, to, to come to our realization of ourselves, to come to ourselves, as, as it says. Uh, and, and to come, and that coming to ourselves, that's what saves us. That's the moment. Because as we realize that, 
we're broken, we're friendless, we're penniless, we've completely squandered what God has given to us, but there's still life there. And we go back to him in repentance. Well, kind of, sort of repentance, maybe more regret than repentance. But, you know, God doesn't care. What is it that God wants in this parable? And it's interesting. This is, this is such a this is such a beloved story. But at the but this this story has like two horrible tragedies at the beginning and at the end. The tragedy of the younger brother and the tragedy of the older brother. It's a family tragedy. But yet it isn't. It is a comedy, a celebration, a joyous revelation of the love of the Father. Because that is why this is such a beloved parable. The love of the Father triumphs over everything. It's what brings the young man, the younger brother, home to his father. Even if it's messed up, not a full full realization. He knows that there's something there that will give him life. He doesn't realize the full extent of it. But as he repents, as he confesses, the father embraces him and brings him in and receives him and welcomes him as his own son, honoring him and celebrating with him. And that same joy and celebration is open to the older brother as well. It's right there for him. All he has to do, the father makes it very clear, all he has to do is step into that house. And he too will not only be able to join the celebration, to be reunited with his brother, but everything that he has, everything that the father has is his. We need this parable right now. There is division in the family. What is required of every one of us, what is that which actually saves us, is an acknowledgement of our brother as our brother. is a heart of love like the heart of the Father and is an understanding of our own brokenness that we might enter in to the joy that is set before us, the love of God and the family that he unites us in in his love, to his glory, the glory of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, now and ever into ages of ages.